Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Alright, hi guys, and welcome to The One Up Podcast. I don't think I told you what the name of it was. It's called The One Up Podcast. Cool. Um, so I'm here with Amanda Morrell, and she is the Head of Communications and Education at Simplicity, which is a KiwiSaver provider, and she's going to tell us a bit about her life and um, financial literacy, lessons she's learned, and a bit about Simplicity and how KiwiSaver can benefit you. So uh, the first thing I want to go into is explaining who you are, Amanda, and you can do that for us, um, and how you're an author, public speaker, financial journalist, um, and a yoga and meditation instructor. So just tell us a bit about you and how you've sort of come to work at Simplicity. Thanks, Sarah, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, Yeah, so as you pointed out, I'm the head of marketing and communications and education for Simplicity KiwiSaver. We're the country's uh, fastest growing KiwiSaver provider, and I'll get into some of the reasons why that and how that came to be in a bit. Um, My background is as a financial journalist since moving to New Zealand in 2007. And um, I I, I moved here just uh, before or around the time the global financial crisis, which was the entrance way into um, my specialty in personal finance. At the time, I was working as the uh, business features reporter and writer for Fairfax. And they really had wanted somebody to help translate to individual Kiwis, the impact of such a big event as the the, the GFC and what that meant for them as individuals. So, sure. um, yeah, that, that that's how I kind of stumbled across my current path and um, built up a whole range of acumen in that area, including KiwiSaver, because it was also introduced right around that time as well, and a lot of people had no clue how it worked, uh, mm-hmm. even the basics. And sadly, um, so you know, uh, skip forward, uh, you know, 11 years, um, <laughs> And that is, as you say, still sadly the case. So there's a lot of um, misunderstanding we need to clear up and to try to get people more engaged and excited in KiwiSaver because for for most people, this is going to be their primary savings vehicle for retirement. Mm -hmm. And um, New Zealand Super really is not going to cut it. So really important for younger people to to care and to manage their accounts efficiently. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you on that, Um, which is pretty much the whole reason for this podcast. I just want everyone to be able to get a bit of a step up and learn a bit more about what KiwiSaver is and why it's actually going to benefit you and how you can sort of, I guess, move it to benefit you more than just sticking money in your account from your paycheck every week or whatever. Um, But yeah, so you've also written a book. Um, What was that book called? I see Money Matters, Get Your Life and Money Sorted. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. um, I was at the time a personal finance interest for um, a personal finance editor, rather for interest.co.nz. It's a leading financial website and was approached out of the blue one day by uh, Penguin, now Penguin Random House, and and asked to write a book. And um, they said, well, what would you like to write a book about? And I said, well, I've always wanted to write one, but I have no clue. And they they suggested the idea about writing about money because at that time that was what I was doing and still am doing. Yeah. Um, so that book was really a reflection, again, of sort of my, my learnings and, and, and knowledge in that area. And um, I wanted to uh, have a really accessible book that wasn't intimidating for people, mm. that taught them um, sort of all the, the global aspects of personal finance. And when you mentioned earlier that I'm a yoga teacher, meditation instructor, 
um, I sort of woven my, some of my philosophy from, from that aspect of my life into the book as well, because I strongly believe that you can't separate money from the rest of your life. Yeah. So, and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong in thinking that they've just got to build up a big bank account. It's all about the money, but they don't unpick it enough to see that all aspects of their life can um, feed into their financial wealth and well-being. Mm. And it's really important sometimes to, to zoom in, but also to zoom out. And I guess the zoom out is really having a, a big picture approach to what it is you're doing, what's driving your financial behavior, having an awareness of those behaviors in the mm. first place. So if you've got bad behaviors like consumer debt and you know, or, or credit card addictions, you can kind of cut those things at the pass and, and start yourself onto a more holistic, healthier yeah. way in relationship with money. That's awesome. That's like exactly what I think I want this podcast to sort of be surrounded about that kind of thing and making young people more aware of how that stuff can affect you in your later years and um, how those habits can creep into you when you're older and that's not going to be good when you're trying to do things like buy a house and that that kind of stuff so that's really really awesome Um, and so you're obviously not originally from New Zealand so where were you from and um, did you you studied overseas as well is that right? I did yeah so I um, was born in uh, Canada um, uh, Ontario to be specific and then um, have had a very interesting life that has led me all around the world I did uh, uh, my um, bachelor degree in Ottawa at Carleton University and um, and then I spent some a bit of time in my career in my journalism career uh, working in Western Canada and then decided to go back and do a, a graduate degree and I did one in Ireland at Trinity College and that was really interesting wow. and cool. then came back to Canada and, yeah. and, and started a family and stuff and continued to work yes. in, in, in the media as well so um, yeah that's awesome and so I see you did a Bachelor of Journalism and then you moved into the finance sector was that always something you enjoyed finance or ironically no so yeah. that's <laughs> one of the things that uh, life Who does, um, <laughs> well I, I guess you know my mother who's an amazing investor and a great okay. role model for me and this had always said and tried to you know beat me over the book with the finance books and say <laughs> take a bigger, better interest in, in right. this stuff and I think with like a lot of women probably or young girls I thought oh it's you know, it's all too boring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, what difference is little tiny percentage of difference is going to make on the fees that I'm paying them. I might as well just outsource all this stuff and let somebody else manage it. But, you know, it's really, really important for, for girls, young women especially, not to um, think that they can't learn this stuff or that it's all yeah. too hard or to shirk the responsibility and offcast it onto their partner. Because if you look at the statistics for women, especially, you know, bump it out a few years, mm-hmm. um, really critically important that women care more about their money. They're going to live longer than their partner. There's yeah. a very good chance they'll end up divorced or widowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay equity, we're, you you know, your generation is a lot closer to it than mine, but there's still a lot of inroads there. And a lot of women take gaps out of the workforce to have and raise yeah. families. So all those things combined put women at a critical disadvantage when it comes to finances. Yeah, and so for those people who bury their head in the sand, you know, it, these things, you know, it won't matter to you when you're 18 or 25, but, you know, 55, you got kids and your husband just left you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to matter big time. So it's, yeah, and it's not it's not as difficult as a lot of people would think, but especially for women. So I really encourage them to to, to care more. For sure. And I don't think it has to be difficult either. And I think, like, that's the, again, the whole idea with this this podcast um, 
it can it can really be broken down into some simple things that you can just implement into your everyday life and hopefully we can get into some of that um and that's that's really awesome thank you for that amanda so i just want to go briefly over the reason for this whole podcast um so basically i joined kiwi saver at the beginning of last year and i'm just as much as the audience listening a amateur in kiwi saver and and i'm still not an expert in it myself and don't know a lot but i have been made aware um of the things you can do to i guess bring an advantage on yourself and on your kiwi saver with um who you choose to be your provider and that kind of thing and i've used websites like smart investor and fund finder to find the best ones which i didn't even know those existed either those platforms um which just places you can use to sort of compare different ones uh look at their fees and returns and all that kind of stuff um and then i saw simplicity had the lowest fees and um sort of a much higher return than a lot of the others and just the whole ethos of the business was what attracted me to it and um and the story behind it the about us page on your website all that kind of thing i just really thought that that was awesome and and shows that it made me feel more like I could trust you rather than a big bank or someone who I didn't really relate to or anything like that. Um, so yeah, that's the whole reason I want to do this podcast is just so I can actually learn a bit a little bit more and then post that out to people who can also learn a little bit more and help themselves to help themselves in the later life. So I guess I just want to ask you now what, I mean, we all sort of know what KiwiSaver is, but maybe just like a brief what it is and how it sort of works in New Zealand. Okay, so um, KiwiSaver was introduced, uh, as I said before, around 2007, and it was introduced as a workplace-supported and, and government-sponsored savings scheme. It's kind of like the equivalent in the U.S. of 401ks or RSPs in Canada. Um, it was uh, identified that there would be down the line some pretty significant saving shortages for individuals between what the New Zealand super, which is the government uh, pension, would provide for people and what they actually would have saved up in their accounts. So um, at the time, it's unfortunate it's not around anymore, but there was uh, one of the great uh, incentives that was offered at the time was a $1,000 kickstart. So the government uh, uh, you know, offered anybody who opened up an account $1,000 to get them going. Um, and beyond that, it's uh, the benefits for individuals who are working is that if you're working um, in a salaried or f- a full-time position or wages, you're going to get a contribution from your employer. So they're going to pay 3%, that's the minimum right now, of your gross earnings into your account. And then you would be paying that 3% uh, as well. So you're getting that accumulated amount. Um, there are optional settings for individuals to pay much more than that. So you can do 4 now you can do 6 and 10 and eight was also a previous setting. So they introduced just recently these two extra settings again as a way to get people to save more. Um, You also get, if you pay at least 1,043 each year and you're over the age of 18 and you've paid that out of your pocket, your earnings, you're gonna get another 521 from the government. So they've kept that little sweetener um, in, in the game to again encourage people to stay in it. Um, now this pool of money, it's, it's invested, it's in, it stays in your name, and uh, the idea is that this money will be set aside 
to uh, support you in either uh, buying a first home or when you retire at age 65. There are a few um, clauses where you can get your money out earlier, but really it is designed effectively as a retirement saving scheme because um, when you're young, you don't think about getting old or not many people do. It seems very, very far off in the future and very, very easy to uh, spend your money as it comes in, especially once you get out of, you know, um, university and you've finished with all your education. You get that money rolling through the door and you just want to spend it because, you know, there's so many cool things to buy these days. I mean, gosh, when I compare it to when I graduated, it's just like the marketplace has just exploded yeah. with really cool, innovative things. Crazy but they stuff. all cost money. Yeah. And yeah. the danger of, of that is that you keep spending your money, that there's going to be nothing set aside. Mm-hmm. So uh, Saver saves you from yourself effectively because mm-hmm. every time you get paid, it gets diverted into your Saver account and you can't get it out. Yeah. So um, that uh, just ticks along really nicely. And anybody who's been in Saver for uh, a significant amount of time or especially since they started, will now see that in their balance uh, or in their account, they've got a pretty you know, decent balance, some bigger than others, depending on their contribution amounts. Yeah. But this is now um, the, the, the turning point, I think, uh, that we're seeing people finally starting to care about KiwiSaver. So I'm encouraged that um, <laughs> a young person such as yourself, that the light bulb moment has happened now yeah. too, because yeah. there's a lot of things you can do now at an early stage and get these settings right that are going to make a huge difference to you down down the track. Yeah. So, but you know, if you if you kind of put these off or deferred or don't even sign up until you're 40, then yeah. you got you, you know you can't even make up for that lost ground really when you when no. you just start to you know just because of the the, the effect of compounding interest. Mm, that's exactly what we want the light bulb moment in more yeah. more young people, especially especially now with like you say an expanded marketplace and yeah. there's so much more to buy and a lot more pressures I think now in society to be a certain way or have a certain life or whatever it is so so cool um I guess the next thing I want to sort of talk about is simplicity itself um what it is because I think a lot of people are probably confused as to how simplicity works with KiwiSaver isn't KiwiSaver just supposed to be your bank does it and then mm. that's that um that's probably something I think a lot of people were confused with and and I guess how simplicity will benefit young Kiwis with KiwiSaver and that sort of thing. Yeah, so the, the, it's it's an open market with KiwiSaver. Um, I guess a lot of people who don't know much about it might think that it's only the banks who offered it. The banks are obviously have those effective distribution channels because everybody's got a bank account, right? And mm-hmm. quite often uh, they're more in your face with it. But yeah. there's um, outside of the banks and there's, um, I think over 24 different providers. Um, so there's lots of choice for people. Um, new, uh, Simplicity was really unique because when we uh, launched in 2016, we were um, the first 100% online model. And being 100% online meant that we could uh, afford to offer our, our, our KiwiSaver for a lot cheaper than most other parties out there. Um, we were also able to do that uh, because we were a nonprofit, which is very unique as well. Most other people in this space are playing purely because they see the opportunity to make a lot of money off the fees, which is something people really still don't understand how that works, but it's a massive opportunity for them. So yeah, we were um, nonprofit, 100% online. We're an index tracker as well. So we don't, we're not an actively managed fund, which which means that we can also keep costs down. 
And the net effect of that has been that, um, as you pointed out earlier, our performance has actually been very good. Um, in the last reporting quarter, uh, we our funds were uh, number one and number two mm-hmm. ranked out of all the competitors. Uh, so we're really proud of that, but we believe that's because our fees are so much lower than the others and we're just ever only ever going to produce market returns. We're not aiming to be the big hot shot double digit performer who yeah. next year will flame out. We're just going to deliver what market returns will do and at a very low cost. And a lot of the research in this area has proven that active managers, 95% of them can't outperform the market anyhow. So people worldwide are asking themselves now, what, what, what are we paying for this extra premium for our fund management when they're not actually producing any more significant long-term returns? Yeah. And that, that may be daunting for people to understand, but you don't need to really understand all that. You basically, the very, at the very basic min, uh, level, you need to understand who's managing your money. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the number one question I get when I go to uh, workplace talks. People got auto-enrolled through their workplace and they've yes. completely forgotten about it. And they're like, I don't even know who's managing my money. So key mm-hmm. thing to know is that the IRD manages, um, is the warehouse for a lot of uh, KiwiSaver. So you can always track down if you forgot, um, maybe your parents enrolled you or whatever and they forgot, you phone the IRD with your IRD number and they will tell you. And so that's oh. kind of a key starting point for I'd say the person who's really, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then for the person who's not even enrolled and they're interested in enrolling, find out the benefits, I've uh, outlined them, but they're very easy to find out the benefits on kiwisaver.govt.nz and you look it up and you say, yeah, this is for me, I wanna get in the game, I wanna get, have lots of money in my account when I retire. <laughs> I wanna be rich. Yeah, and then you start assessing those other things, the really critical things like how, how much am I paying, what fund type I'm in, that is a really uh, um, yeah. a key thing to understand. Your contribution rates, again, I've mentioned before, but the three, four, eight, those things are gonna massively determine how much money you have at the, at the end as well. Mm-hmm. And um, something called the PIR, prescribed investor rate, but we can talk about <laughs> that if you choose to. Yeah. Cool, so I guess just to clarify that in terms of the the rate like the percent that you are contributing to um kiwi saver that is called the the fund rate or whatever so the contribution rates are different from fund types so your contribution rate is simply the amount of money from your paycheck that you're going to put okay. into your account yeah. and so the, the settings again are three four six eight and ten yes. the minimum prescribed by law is three and three okay. but if you're wondering how that you know uh, if you're not a numbers person you may think oh what well, I'm completely overwhelmed but like if if we compare that to what they're doing in Australia right now yeah. in Australia if you go get a job there and again it's compulsory over there it's 9.5 percent of your gross pay that you're paying wow. in so they're way ahead of us on the yeah. savings game because they're paying much more yeah. into it yeah. it comes out of their it comes out of their employer pay but really that's just your salary anyhow yeah. and then they're bumping it up to 12 over the next um, really? coming years as well so and we can you, still have three if we wanted to uh, well so we've got six because the three plus three but right. um, worldwide uh, you know the sort of universal goal on savings now is acceptable acceptable norm is about 10% and that might seem high uh, but I think when you talk about personal finance and how you manage your money and what you do with it, et cetera, 
um, it's all it's quite doable but you know you got to rein in and make some sacrifices and how do you know where you can sacrifice you have to have an awareness of where all your money is going yeah yeah (laughs) which is it comes full circle to back to that what I was talking before about having you know that sort of yogic perspective a bigger perspective to see where you're at why you're at and what's your what are the behaviors that are shaping your personal finance yeah exactly so number one look at who's actually managing your money to do that give ID a call with your um what's it called again IRD number number. (laughs) yeah and uh, they'll be able to let you know yeah um cool so that's awesome and I suppose we've gone over how KiwiSaver will will benefit you in the future with it being a savings scheme but also it's important to note who manages your money and if they're actually the best going to be the best person to manage your money because there's not only like you don't only have to go through your bank there are lots of other options as well which I didn't know I thought you could only go through your bank yeah no lots of options out there and you said smart investor is a mm. good place to go that's a new website operated by um, the government sorted.org.nz yeah, yeah. so it's a really good comparison website but I think you really kind of have to be at a, almost like a medium to uh, you know a medium level of financial literacy or higher to kind of get in there mm. um, a lot of people are still kind of in the really primary stages of learning so for these for these folks you're just starting out you want to do the basics and maybe it's all, it all you know you're not going to go there and investigate all the different providers out there <laughs> key thing is again you know understand who your provider is with or choose one understand your fees uh, just circling back to fund types this is also an important thing to note in addition to your contribution rate because the fund type will determine the level of returns that you're earning on your savings so yes. um, if you have no um, uh, desire to use your KiwiSaver money to buy a first-time home, then you're going to have a very, if you're a young person, you're going to have a very long time horizon for investing. Yeah. So the, if you break it down into three flavors, um, there are more t- types, um, but let's just for simplicity's sake say three flavors, conservative and balanced and growth type funds. Yeah. Um, those are defined by their asset allocation. That simply means the types, the nature of the investments that you're in. And so in a growth type fund, um, these typically over longer term produce higher returns and that's because they're more heavily weighted towards the share market. And risk and reward are directly related in life as it is with investments. So they're considered to be a higher risk fund because of the volatility you see in the stock market and Trump lobbing hand grenades into all sorts (laughs) of messy situations and having the impact that the markets are wavering all over the place. But when we look at long-term historical data, we see that the trend is your friend in an upward way with growth funds. Conservative funds are more, as the name would suggest, less risky. They're more fixed interest type investments, but they're going to generate more modest returns for you. And a balanced fund is somewhere in between. So that's important to understand because what the situation that we have currently in New Zealand is we've got a whole bunch, I think it's about 20% of Kiwis are is still in default funds. And what that means is they're confused. They get auto-rolled the first job that they've get. They don't know who they're with, which is why a lot of people don't know that. They get in a lottery system and spat out to somebody who's been yeah. uh, nominated in a default fund situation, like one of the banks or whatever. And then they get put into a default setting. So you remember I said conservative, balanced, and growth. Yeah. There is a default category, and the default category is even more, arguably, more conservative than a conservative fund. So the lowest kind of yeah. returning fund long term, and that's 
that should concern people to the extent that if you're invested over a very long period of time, you're going to shortchange, you're probably going to shortchange yourself on a much higher uh, return and balance uh, in your lifetime. So really, really important to, um, you know, park yourself there temporarily while you're figuring out the landscape and, and understanding where you're at, but then make a choice, make an active choice for a provider who you like and make an active choice to understand a fund type that is actually appropriate for your age and risk appetite. Mm. So do you think as a, if you were using your KiwiSaver because you wanted to save up for your first home, that it is better to opt for a conservative fund type rather than a growth? Or do you think you can still do a growth or... This is a very good question because I've had some people who are quite upset when they say, I went into the growth fund because everybody's very, very much self-interested. They want to make yeah. the maximum amount of money probably to save for their first home without understanding the risk that they took. So yeah. I've had a few individuals saying, boo-hoo, I was saving for my house. And then we had a big, just recently in December, a big market correction yeah. and their account balance dropped down and they were planning on buying a house in the next six months. Yeah. So you're correct. That's you're going to gamble there. So if you're going to gamble that you're going to, you know, buy your house in the next year, and a lot of people are in this position right now because interest rates are coming down, house prices are coming down, they're thinking about buying a house, and maybe they're parked in a growth fund. But if you follow the business news, there's a lot, a lot of talk and chatter about a potential big market shock and when is that going to happen so you need to understand that the risk if you're going to park yourself in an aggressive or a growth fund that that may happen and what would happen and are you happy if it goes down by 20 percent or 30 and if you can't live with the consequence of that then you're right maybe you want to scale back on the risk and put yourself in a balanced fund yeah. you know that's halfway in between or conservative but it would really depend on I think how quickly you think you're going to be looking to buy a home yeah yeah because yeah. a lot of those growth, the fund types are related to sort of time horizons. Yeah. And we say for people who are going to go into our growth fund that you should be looking long term, like nine years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this might be a silly question, but if, say, you're saving for your house and you've got 15 years to do it or so, so you, you put yourself in a, in, would you say, conservative a, fund? A growth, a growth fund. fund for 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or let's say you had a short amount of time to do it mm-hmm. um, and you put yourself in a growth fund and then at the end, would you put yourself in a conservative or would you just go growth right up to the... You mean once you've withdrawn your money to buy that home? Yeah, or? yeah. Yeah, so that's another good point because even, and, and this is what we've got another situation on our hands is that a lot of younger people are looking at KiwiSaver. Again, they don't want to think they're growing old, but it's very hard to save for a first home deposit because house prices in New Zealand are so high. So they are using their KiwiSaver funds to use uh, towards the deposit. Right. And um, so so that's great and they get into their first home but then they also have to think oh right I do have retirement to yeah. so then they they then they then they have to rebuild their accounts yes. so this again yeah you know the one size does not fit all but yeah. when you're rebuilding your account you're going to have to look at your capacity to repay the debt on your mortgage yeah. uh, if you've got any other debts nagging you're going to have to look examine that and then right around the time or not too long after people buy houses quite often they have children yeah. children are very expensive yeah. um, so there's also of competing considerations which would determine whether you're better off going you know sticking yeah. with that growth fund or 
or maybe a balanced fund, but it might be the more, the bigger question might be what is your, what, what's a suitable contribution yeah. rate, right? right? What's your capacity to pay into that? So that's where together couples really have the advantage. But again, as I sort of mentioned earlier, sometimes is a sad outcome to those relationship situations. But um, yeah, if, if, if you can map out sort of some common goals with your partner, if you're in that place, because a lot of people buy houses with, you know, friends or a partner these days, mm-hmm. then you can kind of look at your global plan and figure out what's best for you as as a family yeah cool and i suppose a lot of you guys listening are drifting off right now thinking i'm not thinking about getting married or having a partner who i want to buy a house with or all this sort of stuff but it's just a few things to think about i think not necessarily put into action now but think about for the future what are you going to do with your kiwisaver now and then what will that mean for the future of it and what will that mean for the future of your savings and your whole financial um, position I suppose so yeah take everything that Amanda is saying and really listen to it because it can really benefit you and I'm taking it all in because like I said I don't know any of this either so it is really interesting to me um uh, so and I guess I want to go off the track a little bit and talk about your yoga and meditation um side of of your life and how do you think that contributes to the way you implement financial literacy in your life and that kind of thing um yeah that's it's kind of a meditation in itself to reflect on that but Mm. um i think again for me yoga has been and meditation is a real tool for uh uh, for insight Mm. reflection and also just general well-being um so a lot of i think the connections that i'm making and still continuing to make in this area is that you know, you could be the richest person in the world, but if you haven't cultivated a, like genuine contentment in your life or you haven't assessed your value system yet to see whether, you know, that resonates with who you are and what you want to be really, then having all that money in the bank is really going to be quite meaningless. So I always encourage people and I, you know, evaluate that within my own system is what you're doing, you know, purposeful, meaningful, um, because there's, you know, there's so many trade-offs in life that you can make, you know, for example, and you're going to face a lot of these when you get into the workforce, you know, high, highly paid jobs that are maybe really stressful, but that, that you hate, but you want to work temporarily to save money for a deposit versus more meaningful work that's perhaps lower paid, but you, it just makes you happier because you're not burnt out and stressed out. It's, 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 it's those sort of value systems that, that yoga helps you to explore, certainly meditation where you're sitting quietly and you know the monkey mind comes in there pretty pretty loud and hard for the first five or ten minutes and and but once you kind of break through that through repetition and and doing it you can get into a state of calm thinking where a lot of the questions the deeper questions in life you know might um you know kind of raise to the surface and you might you know ask yourself some of these things am i living in my a life of you know, my own choosing, am, or am I yeah. doing something that my parents really wanted me to do, and I hate this, what I'm doing in my life. So a, a redirection of sort through thoughtfulness. And I think when you get, when you work on that inner inventory and get and get those settings right, it just leaves you in a way better position overall to, to turn up the dial to to, to, to grow wealth in your life. Yeah. Because yeah. when there's an inner poverty, you are never going to see external wealth trust me you need to feel 
What um, a quote. What a quote. You really do. That's you great. need to yeah. value yourself. You need to be happy with what you're doing in life. Yeah. And from that place, it's 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 you will find some power. So I think that's, um, you know, I, I hope kids, uh, younger people get that message because mm-hmm. I know that I've got two teenage sons and I, I oh, see really? the confusion and yeah. pressures that people, young people are facing. Yeah. And the, especially the external influences, all that, you know, slick, artificial yeah. world of Instagram. And um, you got to cut through the noise these days mm. and, and get to your heart. So, yeah. Mm, 100% I agree. And I, I used to sort of have the opinion of uh, like the social media, social influences, all that thing, all that stuff doesn't really affect, um, doesn't affect me. Like I'm, I know who I am and blah, blah, blah. But I think when you grow up with it, it's actually hard to not let it affect you. And um, you do struggle to find the difference between real life and online life sometimes. And And I think that, creeps into our life with even things like this financial literacy because we suddenly don't value that as much as we value getting this or that for Instagram or going on a holiday or something but is that really what's gonna help you or are you gonna regret that once it's done or because you can't afford to pay your rent or whatever it is so I think sometimes we can get caught up in that stuff and it is important to bring it back down to things that might seem boring but I think can just be put really um, in a real simple way and um, can actually just make big differences so yeah that's awesome thank you um, I think we've sort of covered this but just to go like just wrap it up and put it into a few simple steps that people can follow um, what do you think are say the three most important things for people to look at when they're looking for a KiwiSaver provider Okay, so um, A, again, backtrack, find out, you know, if you're already with one. So if you're already with mm-hmm. one, you can kind of explore that that change. But um, I did some research and, and interviews a while back on this exact question with some of the experts, and they had um, five pillars. Hopefully I'll remember them all. But people, who are the people managing um, the, the, the funds? Yeah. Uh, you know, have they been in, do they have a good track record? Are they reputable? Are they trustworthy? Are they people, you know, uh, uh, that, that you? would feel are good folks and, and yeah. trust with your money because it's it's a big thing um uh so the the fees yeah. uh that's critically important to understand what your fees because returns are going to be wildly variable from year to year especially yeah. with climate change and in this kind of market conditions so fees what you're paying you can control but you'll never control what's going on in the outer world and the markets yeah. uh performance you want to look for um this is uh you know not not this year's top uh, hot shot and not last year's dog but somebody who's got a track record of producing steady market or above market returns Um, communication is another key thing because you know if you're if you're if your fund manager is not communicating with you or they're communicating with you in a manner that you can't even understand what they're saying or it's really convoluted then what good is is any of that um and there could be a fifth one there, but I've, I've got, but even if you yeah. go by those four, those are quite, quite critical ones to understand. Yeah. A fun type, I think, would be the, the next one actually going back there. Make sure you're in the right uh, sort of fun, fun type. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, those, those are some very basic things you can do. And again, if you're in a default fund, that's fine. You're parked there safely, mm. but make sure that, you know, you, you get into something that's more appropriate for your age. Consider what you're going to use your KiwiSaver for. Are you thinking it's going to be for a first home 
or if it's going to be for retirement, and then that will help you determine the appropriate uh, type of fund you want to be in. Mm. Yeah. I think I was in a default fund for like the first year and a bit of my QSO, and I keep getting you know letters from the bank and emails saying you need to do something with it. I'm like, oh, I don't know, because it's just so confusing. And yeah. What well, was it confusing, or maybe I was just too lazy to actually get onto it and look into it, probably, but. I suppose that when you get three sheets about KiwiSaver, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not going to read through this and I don't want to look They don't it. make it simple. No. Yeah. And uh, just going back to your earlier point, uh, I would say throughout, uh, not just KiwiSaver, but throughout personal finance in general, the two things that are the biggest uh, killers mm. are fear and apathy. Mm. So, and they, they continue to be. That's the one thing I see over and over again. People just uh, can't be bothered or they, they're scared to get interested. Yeah. And yeah. again, don't think that this stuff is too difficult to understand. It really isn't. Yeah. And, you know, if it just takes a little bit of, uh, you know, exploration, you might surprise yourself that you get really interested. And um, the accessibility, like compared to where I grew up in the environment I grew up in, this stuff is not hard to find anymore. Everybody's mm -hmm. got Google or whatever. You just yeah. get online. There's so many blogs, comparison sites. There's really no excuse. I'm sure everybody's had the moment in the middle of the night where they've got some insomnia. We see our Sunday night signups are the best period of time. That's the reflection time for a lot of people, I think. You know, end of the week, have I got my housekeeping in order, finances. So spend a bit of time just researching one day and see what you find and, you know, yeah. tidy it up. Exactly. You've actually got a really great article that you sent to me with um, the 20-somethings club, is it? Or 20-somethings. Yeah. Um, I would have a look at that or I'll um, put a link to it somewhere in the description of this because it was really like a few quick questions that broke down things in a really easy to understand way um, and it was just like the basics that anyone needs to know really. So that was a really good article. Um, cool. So just to go back over those four or five things, it's find out who is your provider if you've already got one, um, which you can do through calling IRD. Um, fees, have a look at their fees because you can control what fees are coming out, but you know you can't control, like you said, what's going on in the marketplace. Um, look at their track record, see that what's gone on previously in previous quarters. Um, what communication is coming from your fund manager? Are they actually speaking with you or are they just leaving you to be? Um, and fund type, have a look at your fund type as well, you said. So yeah, those are really good things to have a look at. Um, and just practical steps that you can actually implement and doing you know that are pretty basic and easy to do so that's awesome cool thank you so much for coming on here I guess one last thing I want to talk about is your since you've written a book and I feel like you've had such a wide variety of experience in your life in terms of financial things and not even that more than that but I just wanted to ask what are some important life skills or top tips I suppose for your finances or just general life that you've learned through your many adventures and things mm, in life thank you well, that's a good question I guess I I get bored easily so I'm always looking for new yeah. experiences and yeah. learning how to grow and I think growing in education is a lifelong thing yeah I'm about to embark on a postgraduate program oh, myself wow. and taking on one more thing with Stanford so I'm oh, amazing but you know so I think lifelong learning and growing is important to remember um yeah Remember that it's never too, you're never too old to start over again and you're never too young to, to embark on ambitious plans. The yeah. important thing is you make a start somewhere yeah. and just 
you make a plan and go for it systematically and strategically and believe in yourself and go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I think, it, you know, there was a great um, speech that Steve Jobs gave, I think, uh, for university graduates and always, yeah. you know, always asking yourself and exploring and reevaluating to get to what it is that is deep inside your heart. And quite often you don't see uh, until, you know, looking back how all the little stepping stones led you to yeah, the place that you are. Is a beautiful thing. <laughs> and so I can see in this, you know, this little labyrinth that life has led me on, how yeah. it's opened up, you know, one door leads to the next. So even if you're stuck in the most horrible, miserable situation, trust that it is teaching you something, but learn the lesson and and, and move on and maybe not abandon it if you're not quite ready, but there's always a lesson. There's lessons every day, (laughs) every day. There's uh, in the yoga, um, you know, vocabulary and and the Bhagavad Gita, they say at the end of the day, you are left with a rich harvest Mm -hmm. to explore, to look at how you handled yourself, to look at people that you came into your life. And I think when you open your eyes to all that, a whole new world opens up for you. So Less time on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> Look at what's in front on, of guys. you. <laughs> Engage with the people who walk into your life, and yeah. and 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 your life will prosper. Yeah, awesome, cool. And that just brings us back to the the other quote that I really liked you said before, which is "Inner poverty doesn't produce external wealth." Yeah. So really you got to awesome. dig inside. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on onto my podcast. Um, <laughs> it's been really awesome. I think the, those last few points you said were really great because something I struggle with was always finding like a passion or the one thing, the one thing I wanted to do with my life, the one thing I was meant to do. But I think you're a great example that you can have many things that you want to do in your life and it doesn't just have to be you know your one be all and end all passion and that's it so I'm glad that there's that reassurance there that you know what I'm doing now might not necessarily be what I'm doing in the future yeah just look what's ahead today awesome so thank you so much um if you want to find simplicity just look them up on google they're online and have a look at their like about page because that was what really drew me in and I I think they've got an excellent ethos and just I can already tell the people here are awesome so yeah just have a look so thanks guys and see you next time All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.